Uh, I'm really excited about today's message because this whole idea of communication, when we think about communication, communication, especially our words, our words have incredible power. You know, when God created the world, however you believe that was done with evolution or your, you know, you believe it was seven literal days, he spoke creation, he spoke the world into existence. His words had power. He said, let there be light, and there was light. Our our words have power. Maybe, Maybe not that, I mean, maybe not that kind of power, but our words have power. We have the ability to speak love and hope and joy into someone's life. Or with, with our words, we also have the ability to tear people down and, and breed, or speak rather, contentment or unrest in someone's life. So the, the question is, what are we going to do with our words? And, and really, another question is, what's the best way to communicate? I, I think you know, we can communicate through phone calls, through, through speaking face-to-face, through emails. I personally think one of the worst ways to communicate with somebody is through text messaging. I think that's like the worst way to express somebody's feelings because everything can be lost in translation. Have you ever seen some of those funny text messages? Here's, here's a, a few for you. Here's what I thought was a funny one. <clears throat> the guy starts off, dude, what's your address? <clears throat> or what's your street, street name, rather? The guy says, Little Marco, you live on a street called Little Marco. Like, oh, oh, you meant my address. Some of you get that. It's a little gangster, I know, but it's funny. <laughs> Here's another one. Let's throw the other one up. This one's kind of funny. <clears throat> says, your mom and I are going to divorce next month. Really weird thing to put in a text. What? Why? Call me, please. No, no, no. I, I, I wrote Disney. The phone changed it. We're going to Disney next month. And, and this last one, I, I thought it is maybe one of the, the, the weirdest and, and oddest things I've seen in text messages before. Uh, Jenny starts off, she says, I think we need to spend some time apart. Oh, nice, Jen. Dumping me over text. Real classy. <clears throat> Whatever. I've wanted to be done with you anyway. Well, I, I meant to write spend some time at Pat's, not apart, but this has been very enlightening. Oh, ha, I, I was just messing. <laughs> ha, ha, yeah, a yeah, little awkward. So much can, uh, of our communication can be lost in translation, can it? And if we're not careful, our, our, what we try to communicate, um, especially if we do it through text, uh, can be completely um, misconstrued. George, um, I'm sorry, George Bernard Shaw, he's a famous author, he said this about communication, I think it's an absolutely brilliant quote. He said, the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. The single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. And, and we find that happen a lot maybe in relationships, maybe with your children, maybe, maybe where you work, maybe you're a boss or, or you work with a boss who, who thinks they communicate, right? And this whole idea of I said this, you heard that, it, it happens to a lot of us. I mean, I think back over my personal life, my professional life, and there are so many examples, but I was asking my wife for an illustration this week because I feel like I always share the same stories. I said, when have we done this? Because I know we have. I get yelled at all the time. For doing, for doing this kind of thing. When, when have we kind of, our communication is kind of broken down? So here's one example um, from our, our marriage. If you haven't met my wife yet, by the way, my wife, here's a picture of uh, my wife and I. Do you have that picture? There you go. She's gorgeous. I married up. Uh, she's absolutely beautiful. We've been, we've been married for 15 years, and uh, you would think we'd have this figured out, right? You'd, you'd think we'd have figured out how to communicate and understand each other. But even after a decade and a half of marriage, we still tend to struggle with this whole idea of, I said this, you heard that. If, for instance, um, I, I tend to go a little overboard in certain areas of, of my life, and uh, my wife is very reserved, and she's thought out, and she's orderly, and uh, when Christmas comes around, or birthdays, or Mother's Day, it, it's always somewhere along the lines of, I want it to be nice, I want it to be special, but I, I, I want to be reserved, I, I want to be conservative. And, and that's what she speaks, or that's what she says she speaks to me. What I hear is, I want it to be special, and then everything else is just kind of white noise. So <clears throat> leading up to Christmas a few years ago, th- this is 
had the same conversation. I want to stay on the budget. I want it to be reserved, but I want it to be special. And that, the, I swear, it's like the only thing I heard from that conversation was, I want it to be special. So we ordered our Christmas gifts a few weeks before Christmas. We're down and we're wrapping. We, we, we're seeing how many gifts we have for, under the tree. <clears throat> and uh, she's like, wow, that doesn't look like a whole lot. And I was like, you're right. Immediately pull out my phone and drop way too much money on Amazon filling up the Christmas tree. Christmas morning came, and there wasn't even enough room for our kids to move around. And she's like, what did you do? You said you wanted it special. And she's like, yes, but I also said I wanted it reserved and conservative. Like, why? And you said that, but I heard this. Have you ever felt that way? Maybe not in your marriage. Maybe, you know, you've been married longer than us, and you figured it out how to communicate and understand and hear everything that your spouse is trying to say. But for some of us, in some arena of our life, whether it's professionally or with kids, we say things, and we say things with, with maybe as clear as we thought, with clear expectations, but the results turn out differently. And that's because there's, for us, really, there's two sides to communication, right? There's expressing your thoughts, your desires, your wants, your dreams, and, and, and communicating that and trying to do that clearly enough so the person understands. That's a big enough struggle as it is, but there's also this kind of thing that no one wants to talk about that goes along with communication. It's, it's like the secret thing that happens underneath it. Right? There's, with that, there, there are these, these emotions, there are these, these uh, um, kind of silent riders underneath. It's, it's, and you guys have heard this before. I know it's not just me. There's the tone, right? It's not so much what you said. It's how you said what you said that affects me. And we communicate like that all the time. And things can be lost in translation, no matter how clear you try to make it, because of your tone. Because it's the way you said it. And that kind of confused me or that bothered me. And so the opportunity for miscommunication is very real because every single person is wired by God to hear things a certain way, and even more than that, to communicate things a certain way, to communicate based on our internal needs. <clears throat> and if we're only ever communicating based on our internal needs, we're never really going to truly, fully communicate and value the other person well. I recently heard this. This is a really interesting statistic. 90%, 90% of problems at the workplace or problems at home and in the marriage can be traced back to some form of miscommunication. 90%, 90% of problems. In fact, most problems between family members, whether it's a husband and a wife or, you know, a parent and, and children or, you know, maybe you're, you're dating or, or you're engaged. Maybe it's at a workplace in some kind of relationship. That, that If there's some kind of problem, some kind of fracture in that relationship, almost all of those issues can be traced back to some kind of broken communication. I mean, think about it. Business partnerships have ended over communication. Marriages have dissolved over communication. World wars have started over broken communication. But have you ever noticed that at the same time, there are certain words that just kind of scratch your itch? That somebody can say something to you and it means nothing, and then somebody says it maybe just a little bit differently, and it's like, yes, they understand me. That, 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 that helps me. You make me feel valued. You make me feel respected. You make me feel like, like somebody's actually listening to what I'm saying. It's because they're speaking your language. In his letter to, the, to the, the church at Ephesus, the Apostle Paul, this is in, in Turkey, the Ephesus is in Turkey, the Apostle Paul is writing to uh, some first century Christians, Jesus followers. You remember the Apostle Paul? He's the guy who started off as a professional Jew, hated Christians, met Jesus, fell in love. His life's completely changed. Then he traveled around the Mediterranean Rim, planting all these churches. This guy, he's communicating to a group of people, to these people who are just kind of meeting Jesus, and he's teaching them how to love each other. How do you express love? How do you love each other like Jesus loved us with your words and with your communication? And that's, I mean, that's even harder 
to think about when you kind of walk that. But he does this beautiful explanation in a verse that we're going to look at. It's one verse in Ephesians, and he kind of, kind of breaks the, the, the mold, if you will, of how we communicate to each other. Because each of us communicate based on our internal set of needs. He said, I want you to flip the script. If Jesus was willing to sacrifice himself out of love for you, how can you sacrifice your words out of love for him or out of love for the people you're communicating to? He says this in Ephesians, and I think it's, it's absolutely beautiful. He says, do not let any, look at the bold words, any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Do not let any unwholesome talk. And when you look at the, the, the explanation of unwholesome talk, kind of the surface explanation, at least this is what was given to me in my private Christian school and middle school, it was always interpreted as, as you know, <clears throat> any unwholesome talk is don't, don't curse, don't cuss, you know, no dirty language, no vulgar jokes. Like, like that's how it's interpreted. Just don't say those kinds of things. And, and on a surface level, that, that's true. On a surface level, you, you don't, you know, we don't want to say those things. But when you dig a little deeper, Paul is saying so much more than just simply that. What he's really saying when he says, don't let any unwholesome talk, he's actually talking about unwhole words. Don't let any words come out of your mouth that can't be used to build somebody up and make them whole. Don't let words come out of your mouth that are going to rob from somebody and take away. Don't let any words come out of your mouth that are going to make somebody feel less. Use your words, he says. Then he contrasts in the second part of the verse. He says, use your words to build others up. Don't speak unwhole words. Don't speak words that can tear somebody down. Use your words to build others up, to make them feel loved, to make them feel valued, to make them feel respected, to make them feel whole, that it may benefit those who listen or those who you're communicating to. <clears throat> In other words, most of us, and this is just kind of a, a normal hu human being thing, right? This is just normal people thing. When we communicate, we're communicating out of our internal needs. This is what I want to say. This is how I want it to be said to me. And Paul's saying, that, that I understand that. But if you really want to love people, flip the script and communicate to them based on their needs and what's going to make them feel loved and what's going to make them feel valued. Paul's like, just flip the script. I mean, really, when we think about it, think about your relationships, think about how you speak to your kids. It's kind of revolutionary, isn't it? We get so frustrated and we get so angry and we communicate with such, it's such emotion and it's like we're speaking it to a wall. Why aren't you understanding me? Because you're speaking out of your needs, not out of their needs. They weren't built. Understand this. They literally weren't built to understand what you're trying to communicate to them. That hits home a little bit, doesn't it? it makes this whole talk a little bit more uncomfortable. Some of you are thinking, can't we just get to the candy? <clears throat> but think about this. What is it that drives you? What is it that makes you who you are? What is it that caused you to communicate that way? I mean, if, if I were in my relationship with my wife, if I were trying to understand where she was coming from in her words, I would have understood, try to make Christmas special, but make it special on a budget, on a budget not make Christmas special and go into debt, right? If I, were, if I were trying to understand what she was communicating and not just, this is how you have to communicate to me, then I would know where she's coming from and we could have avoided this conflict in our marriage. Really, that's, that's how we should go about kind of any communication in our life. What does the other person need? What makes the other person feel valued? Are, are my desires being respected here? What can we learn from that? Today, I, I want to introduce to you a book. This is a book that inspired this, this whole conversation. Can you guess what the book's called? <clears throat> I said this. You heard that. Yeah, we're really creative. We just completely robbed the idea. 
I said this, you heard that. Uh, the subtitle to the book is How Your Wiring uh, Colors Your Communication. This is written by Kathleen Edelman. She's a, just this brilliant Christian uh, counselor and psychologist. Uh, and this book, I, I would I'd highly recommend it to you. If you're looking for a book to finish out the winter while you're avoiding the frigid cold and locking yourself indoors and there's nothing left to binge watch on Netflix or Hulu because you've had all winter to do that, read this book. It is what I think incredibly, incredibly valuable. You can pick it up on Amazon. Just uh, Google, I said this, you heard that, you'll find it. Uh, I, we've walked through it uh, together. We're actually walking through it together, uh, my wife and I. This week we had our entire group take this assessment test, and it's, it's really incredible how accurate this is. Some people are like, I'm totally shocked I'm this way, and everyone else is going to say, nope, that's exactly the way you are. <clears throat> but it's a really, really, I think, enlightening book for, for people to walk through. I would encourage you to do it. Edelman <clears throat> basically says that there's this, the, uh, in our communication, the way you were wired, the way you were built, and this isn't personality, now this is temperament, th that the way God kind of made you, it, it colors how you communicate. It colors what you hear and even what you say. And it's based on this passage out of Ephesians 4. It helps us to identify our unique wiring. What, what are kind of our natural strengths and our natural weaknesses? And then on, on the flip side, how do we then use this to, to communicate, filter our communication through? So this, this whole idea is filtered through the, four, uh, uh, the framework of the four temperaments. You may have heard of the four temperaments. This isn't anything new. The four temperaments are, are kind of ancient history. This was actually developed by a man named Hippocrates. Hippocrates was a, a father of medicine, and, and he, but this is hundreds of years before Jesus. He basically said that there are kind of four uh, personality traits to human beings, and he, called, he said they were um, developed through the fluids or through the humors of the body. As medicine increased, we realized that wasn't how it was developed, and it kind of applied itself more to temperament. But there's this, this whole idea that there are kind of four ways, four kind of uh, categories, temperaments. Again, th this is temperament, not personality, uh, that people are, have or kind of are built with. It's kind of their innate language, if you will. The first one is this, and we'll walk through these together. The first one is yellow. If you're a yellow, uh, <clears throat> you're all about people and fun. The word for that is sanguine. That means you're, you're the kind of, he's like a party person. Like, where's the party? Let's go. Woohoo! Right? People love yellows. If you haven't guessed, that is not my strength. That is actually my lowest color. Uh, the next one on, on the list is red. Reds are all about power and control. And I know that sounds bad, but reds are like the decisive people that lead and keep things moving. They're visionaries. They're driven. The word for that is choleric. Uh, then there's blue. <clears throat> blue are our melancholics, right? They're all about perfection and order. They, they see the world, and it needs to kind of be put together like a puzzle. It's all about perfection and order. And then finally, there's green, and, and green is, is my wife's lowest color, actually. This is calm and harmony. <laughs> She's here, so I'm allowed to say that. <clears throat> I'm kidding. Actually, my wife is, is this. She is all about perfection and order. If you were to walk in our home, you'd have no doubt what her personality trait is. It's, it's perfection and order. It's how she sees the world. Uh, it, you can't do what, I, what she's meant to do. She can't function if things aren't put in order. Now, you see these, and my guess is you, you, you probably know where somebody around you fits into this. Now, don't point in church because that's kind of rude and uh, extremely inappropriate, but uh, you can pro my guess is you can identify people in your life who fall into this category, and you can probably identify where you fall into this category. What, what's interesting, though, is as we look through this, as we walk through the, the, these temperaments, if you will, um, and you kind of match your color up to it, uh, these four temperaments, they come not just with this kind of theme, right? this drive for people or fun or order, but there's things that go along with it. There is a series of, um, of needs. There's a series of strengths and of weaknesses. Uh, when your colors match up to these four temperaments, so think of it this way, um, the, the top ones, yellow and red. Yellow and red people, uh, if you will, they, these people are driven to be extroverts. And this doesn't just mean they're, kind of, they're the, the outgoing type of people. 
Um, <clears throat> yellow and reds are, are extroverted in the sense that they need to verbally process their emotions. They're the kind of people that just say a bunch of things out loud. They, 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 uh, um, they verbally process and that they don't have a filter. So they'll say things they don't actually believe. They actually need to walk through things out loud to even understand what they actually believe, which is, can be a strength because they're going to talk and they're going to like, express new ideas, uh, but can also be a weakness because they're going to say things they don't actually believe, and that stirs up uh, some, some fights, some commotion. Uh, as those two being extroverted, the green and the blue, the, these, these two are, tend to be introverted. And what this means isn't just that they, they avoid people, but that they process things internally. So that somebody might say something like, yeah, but, 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 but he's not saying anything. But that's because he, he's processing, he's thinking. Yeah, but, but she's, not really, she's not really speaking out. She's not being involved. It's because she's thinking through what she wants to say. And she won't say anything until it's thought through and it's processed and it's kind of been fully baked. And then she'll express what she's thinking. So we have extroverts and we have introverts. But what's, what's interesting is this also kind of plays also against personality type. Because if you look at the other side of the screen, the red and the blue type of people, the red and blue people, are, these are task-oriented people. These are people that would say, uh, the, the job has to be done. And once the job's done, then I can focus on people and then I can focus on relationships. But the first thing that has to be done is the task that's before me. <clears throat> then you have the yellow and green people. And th these are, are people people. These are people who value relationships over anything else. They would rather spend time communicating and being in a relationship than getting the job done. And what's interesting is how it plays against personality type because green, even though they're introverted, they value people and they value people over the task. They just uh, express things internally. They work through things internally. Likewise, reds, reds who are extroverts and, and come across as being a people, people, people person, they're more, more focused on getting the task done. And once the task is done, then they can focus on the relationship and they can focus on the people around them. <clears throat> this plays against personality, personality type. <clears throat> but sometimes, if you're not careful, some of these, these things that we think can be strengths, they can actually make people feel left out. Right? For, for a red uh, who's task-oriented, it's something that can be viewed as a strength of getting the job done can also make people feel like they're just a task. So as well as these things are to kind of put ourselves in, in, in a range of color to, to classify ourselves, if you will, it can also be used to hurt people if we're not careful. And that's why Paul reminds us, use your words. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but rather use your words to build others up according to whose needs? Their needs, not yours. Use your words to build others up according to their needs. Let their needs shape the language you use. This isn't like navel-gazing. This is simply a, a, a way to learn how to craft our communication to, to each other, to really value the people we love. And if I say, I love you, and I want to learn how to communicate to make you feel valued so that you understand what I'm trying to say, how can I do that? Like I said, there's a, an assessment in this book that you should walk through. If you're a red, it's going to take about seven minutes. If you're a blue, it's going to take about 30 if you're yellow-green, you're, you're going to be somewhere in between. Uh, but it's a really telling temperament, I, I think, a really telling assessment. When you're done, you can kind of add your numbers up and see where you are. Um, <clears throat> my wife and I, as I said, we took it together. Um, we both, uh, interestingly enough, I, I'm actually surprised by this, are lopsided reds, which means we're both task-driven people. Now, typically, opposites attract, right? In this case, it didn't, which some people think is easier. But when you have two very driven 
power, control-focused people together, it creates a whole different set of issues. We're predominantly red with a little bit of blue and perfection and order. So in that sense, we tend to get along because we like things orderly and classified. But as you walk this and you see where you are, and if you're a spouse, you take it with your spouse and you see where they are, it's going to show you not just how you've been filtering their communication, but how when you communicate, they're filtering your communication. And that's the struggle. That's where Paul's verse comes into play. That's where the application of this comes out. How do you use your words to build up your spouse and build up your children? It's really interesting when you walk through this with your kids. When you, you begin to think, well, how are my kids filtering their language? What, what color are my kids? How do they see the world? And how can I begin to communicate to value them? Because if you're anything like, like most parents that, that, that I deal with and that I am, you tend to do a lot of yelling and they tend to, to not do a lot of listening. And I think it's because... They're, filtered, they're built to filter your communication a certain way, and you're just not seeing it yet. But if you begin to see it, and you begin to understand how to communicate to them, perhaps, perhaps you can build each other up and show love through your words instead of tearing each other down. Reds are, are very decisive people. Reds focus on work. Reds are, are, these are kind of the visionary leaders, the bosses. If you guys work for Reds, you know what working for a Red can be like. They're, they're just driven, and it's about getting the job done. But if they're not careful, they can overwhelm people and make people feel undervalued. Blues are about perfection and order, and they want to see the world in order. But if they're not careful, they can be judgmental and critical. You see, there are strengths and there are weaknesses to each side. Most of us, most of us, if you're anything like me, you're a mix. Right? You, you have a, a primary color, that's your, your predominant, your strength, and then you have a secondary color. <clears throat> the struggle is going to be figuring out where you are and how you communicate through that. So the, uh, here's what I want to do. I want to give you kind of three things that you can see through this verse and through these temperaments that you can begin to apply and live out your life so that on Monday morning, starting tomorrow, you can figure out how to communicate to the people around you based on the color you are and the color they are. The first one is this. The first is your temperament determines the words that you speak. Your temperament determines the words that you speak. To help me illustrate this, I'm going to ask Brian to come up. Brian, would you come up? Can you give Brian a hand? He's going to illustrate... <laughs> He's going to illustrate this point. He asked this morning, when I come up, please don't make a big deal about it. So please make a big deal about it. Um, wow. He's going to illustrate the point for us. Uh, I, I've asked Brian to do it because his group was the first group to walk through this study. Uh, and he's been applying it and kind of walking through this longer than any of us. And I think he has some great insight and some uh, probably funny stories to share. So it's all yours. That's exactly the opposite of what I hoped you would do. But um, Anyways, uh, you might have guessed it. I'm a yellow. When we were doing this series, I got excited. I was like, I got to buy a red, a yellow shirt just for this event. So uh, I'm yellow, but I'm a little bit green in a lot of ways. Um, so I, I like the party, but I also want it to be controlled, and I want everyone to be included and be a part of it. And so that's kind of where I'm at. Now, our small group, we went through this. We just finished it this week, actually, um, and it spurred on just a ton of really good um, conversation between spouses uh, co-workers and things that it started us thinking about a lot of different things. And one of the exercises in the book is has you with your spouse, this sounds dangerous, but where you write your spouse's strengths down, okay? And there's a predetermined list that you can write, uh, you can pick from. And so Gretchen, for me, she wrote down these things. She said that I'm fun, charismatic, not easily provoked, affectionate, and accepts others, right? Those are some nice things. I thought that was very appreciative, you know, and then she had to write down as well my weaknesses, and for some reason she left that blank, and I think it's because I don't have any, but no, I wish. So what she wrote down were some of these things. She said, uh, I'm a compulsive talker, 
I'm messy. This is very true. Selfish, a show-off, and lazy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. I think it speaks more to her because she married that. Like, she chose those things. <laughs> but I, would, I completely agree with her on that. And now, Gretchen, she is a red. So we're like, I like to party, and she likes to say no to parties. And she's the control person. I'm kidding. She loves to, we're both extroverts in that way. And so for Gretchen's strengths, I wrote down productive, committed and loyal, disciplined, confident, and decisive. If we need to pick some place to go, or like she'll throw a suggestion out. I'm like, I love it. Let's go with it. If she asks me, I'm like, uh, I, I, what do you think? I don't know. And so we're, we're, we complement each other in that way. And so for weaknesses, this was tough, but I was forced to, to do this. I didn't do this by choice. I put quick-tempered, <laughs> impatient, can't relax, and doesn't analyze details. And then I slept on the couch that night. And, <laughs> but, but for real, loyalty, that's one of her biggest things. And I share all this to kind of give you a glimpse of kind of where we come from when we, we talk, when we converse, when we um, maybe have an argument. And so I thought to kind of give you a glimpse of that, uh, a, a, a typical Tuesday night in our house would look similar to this. I get to work about 6.15, 6 o'clock if you're my boss. And so I start work that early. And then I sit in a cubicle all day in front of a computer, I stare at spreadsheets, I listen to meetings all day, and it's not very exciting. So I'm sitting there, I get out of work about 4.30, so I do 10s, and uh, I get home about 4.45, and I'm just itching to talk. Like, I just want to share about my day, I want to share about the people I saw, who I talked to, what we talked about, some ideas that I've had formulating in my head, like I've always got different things going on, and so I just want to get all of that put out, and I just want to talk, right? So this is about 5 o'clock. Now, if you're a stay-at-home parent, you probably know this is dinner time. So she's around, you know, she's going here, she's getting dinner ready, and then the kids are screaming, Lennon's making a mess, Jude and Lucy are fighting, and, and she's, like, doing, di you know, getting the dinner ready, and I'm, like, setting the table one fork every five minutes because I just want to share, and I just want to have her undivided attention. And then finally, it just comes to the point where she's just like, can we just talk about this later? Like, can we just talk later? And so as a yellow, I'm like, whoa. Like, why don't you like me? <laughs> I just want to talk to you. I want to be your, your person. Like, we want to talk. And so with her, she's, you know, she's on a mission. She's got a task to do. She's making dinner, and she's doing all of this other stuff. She's been controlling chaos all day long with our kids. She just wants to step in, and she wants to finish the task. And I'm standing in the way of that by trying to just get her to stop and look at me and talk. And so coming from two different very points of view, if you were a yellow or maybe you're a green and you might hear someone say that and you're like, whoa, like, why are you so angry right now? But if you're a task-oriented, if you're a red, if you're a blue, you'd be like, I'm surprised she said it that nicely. You know, like, <laughs> she's on a mission. She's got things to do. And so I think through this study, it's helped me to realize that she's not being rude, she's not being upset, or she's not even mad. She's just like, hey, like, I really want to hear what you have to say, but this isn't the best time for it. Can we wait till maybe we're eating dinner, and then let's talk about it? So that's just one example of how uh, we communicate, the different styles of communication, and... Uh, I'll turn it back over to you, Jim. Thank you. You guys relate to that? A anybody else besides me? <clears throat> um, great job, Brian. Thank you. I think that's a, a perfect illustration. 
<clears throat> what's interesting about this is how you can say, uh, use the same words in communicating to, to different colors, and they mean to totally different things. For instance, if you were to, to say yellow, yellows appreciate attention. You, if you're working with the yellow and you were to say to the yellow, hey, you did a fantastic job today. I, I've been noticing what you're doing. Great job. They think, wow, thank, thank, like, thank God somebody's recognizing my work. But you go say that to a blue and you do it the same way and you point the finger and say, I've been looking at you. You're doing a great job. Here's what they hear. You're watching me? Why are you watching me? What am I doing wrong? Oh my gosh, there's all, the, all this pressure. I don't know that I can do this anymore. Why are you watching? Right? You got both guns pointed on a blue and they don't appreciate that. Blues want to be left alone. Blues, they, they need support. They don't need encouragement. They just need to know that you're kind of on their side and then leave them alone to do the thing that's been put before them. You can say the same thing, but based on your temperament, the way it's heard is completely different. And that leads us uh, kind of to where we're going with, with our next point. So this is, is valuable in ministry. It's valuable in families. It's valuable at work. This is valuable across the board. Do not let any unwholesome talk come from your mouths, but only what is used to build others up according to their needs. <clears throat> your parents, I, um, you uh, so I kind of agree with this. I have a daughter, uh, a daughter who it, it, I, was, I was kind of sharing this with my wife last night. She's the, our middle daughter, but she has the most uh, clearly defined personality of uh, any of my kids. She is a blue through and through. She lives on perfection and order. The other girls are playing. She's cleaning up the mess. Her sister makes a mess in her room, and even if it's not her mess, she's got to go and clean up her room. It's, it's perfection in order to a T. She doesn't like the, the direct kind of communication that reds tend to give, right? Reds are, are, are clearly communicated. Stop doing that. Do what I say. Move on. She doesn't respond well to that. She's a blue. She needs to, she needs to feel support. She needs to be asked questions. This blue child of mine now wants to, to dress herself getting ready for school in the morning. And she doesn't want my, my input. She wants to decide on her own. She wants to know that she can do it. So it makes it kind of interesting on school mornings when she comes down and, you know, she's wearing something that looks, um, you know, like, like uh, I don't know, a uh, pop star puked it up. It's, it's <laughs> seriously, what, what, what are we doing here? And for a while, it was, no, go upstairs and get changed. And you'd see her, you know, her spirit would break and she'd cry. And you don't think I look pretty? And <clears throat> over a while, understanding her, her need, understanding her temperament, has filtered the way we communicate. It's no longer, go take that off, you look ridiculous. It's, it's, do you think it's the best thing to wear? It's kind of cold and you're in a tank top, you know, it's 20 below outside. I know it looks pretty, but maybe not, not this time of year. Maybe we can pick your clothes out tonight before you go to bed and we can kind of lay them out. We've had to adjust how we deal with our daughter based on her temperament because your temperament determines the words you speak. It also determines, this is where we're going with, part, with, with the second part of this, and I'm going to invite Brian back up to, to teach this part, but, but part two of this is your temperament also determines the words you hear. I'll turn it over to you. Well, it's good to be back. Uh, <laughs> you lost my notes. All right. So, you know, not only are our, our temperaments determine the words that we speak, but also kind of how we interpret interpret those things. And so words are powerful. And I think if you remember school at all, you know that your teachers, they tell you like words have power, like words can cut people deeper than, you know, a sword. And the Bible talks about that and how words that we use can cut people down. Words that we use can actually like just completely brush off for me, but it might leave someone, you know, scarred for weeks or months. And they might dwell on that comment that you made where other people might just not even have bothered them. And so our words can cut people in ways that we don't even know. And each temperament has their own like innate sense of needs. And so we're going to throw them up here. It's an image that shows 
I hope so. Anyways, there we go. Uh, so each, each one of your colors, so if you pick your color, I'm, I'm yellow, of course, and it says, uh, not of course, but I'm yellow. So it's approval, acceptance, attention, and affection. And the yellows all begin with A because that's more fun, right? And so my wife, Gretchen, hers is loyalty, sense of control, appreciation, and credit for work. And so you can kind of, your temperament and these needs, these are, are, are temporarily satisfied. It's kind of like when you are hungry, you're hungry, so you eat food, and then you're not hungry, but that hunger, it comes back. And so when your needs are met, whatever they might be, they're only a temporary fix. So you need to constantly, you know, be fed and be lifted up. And so a good way to kind of put this into to perspective for us in a I also want to share that I'm a, quite a bit green, too. Like, I'm real high up on the green and the red area. So one day I'm extrovert, one day I'm introvert. You never know what you're going to get. But so a, a good example of this is um, a, a couple weeks ago, Gretchen and I, we were talking in a moment when she had no task to do, and uh, it was probably after the kids went to bed. And so we're chatting, and she was sharing with me just, uh, you know, an, an encounter where someone, a friend of hers, was just being, you know, kind of negative uh, towards her and... Just like there was some strife there between the two of them in this relationship. And and she was sharing some of those things and just some like weird vibes that she was getting from this person. And so immediately, you know, I I jump in. I'm like, oh, well, I bet they didn't mean it that way. Like, I bet that's not kind of what they meant. I'm sure they they weren't trying to, to act that way to you. Like, I'm sure that things, if you really thought about it, I'm sure that's not what the person was trying to say. And so in my mind, like, I'm, I'm trying to create harmony, right? Like, I'm trying to bring these two people together to kind of mend that relationship from the outside. But in Gretchen's mind, she's thinking, like, why aren't you being loyal to me? Why are you defending this person? Like, why are you doing that? Like, why are you trying to make light of what they've done by making it sound like it was no big deal? And so two different people coming from two different sides when all the time, like, I'm just trying to make her feel better, you know? Like, I want to help. I want to make you, like, understand, well, you know, they, they, you're just so awesome. They wouldn't really mean that to you. Like, they couldn't actually say those words and, and mean them like you're interpreting them. But in her mind, I'm not, I'm not giving her appreciation. I'm not supporting her or giving her the support and the loyalty that, that she's looking for, that she needs to hear from me. And so, you know, instead of saying all those things, I should have said something more along the lines of, like, I'm really sorry that, that you feel this way. Like, I'm really sorry that that person, you know, said those things or gave you those sorts of feelings. Like, how can I help? And try to support her in that way and try to meet her needs instead of meeting my own needs of harmony, of trying to give affection and just say, oh, like, everything's fine. We live in a world of rainbows, Right. And so, but this, this can also not just with your speech, but also in your actions. One of my, my big ones is affection. Like, I'm a hugger. I love hugs, and I like to give Gretchen hugs and show her some loving. And so every once in a while, she'll be in the kitchen. She might be doing something, and, you know, I come around the corner, and I want to hug. It's just one of those moments. And so, but she's like, I'm, I'm doing something right now. Like, why are you trying to hug me? Like, I'm cool. Like, I get it. You love me, and I love you, but... I'm, I'm in the middle of doing something. And so at first, when this started to happen, I'd be like, well, aren't I more important than that? Like, why can't you just give me a hug? I just want a hug, right? But in her mind, like, it's not, it's not showing her loyalty and it's not showing her appreciation for what she is fixated on, for what she's working towards. If, if I was to ignore her needs, then I would just swoop in and give her that hug anyways. But instead, 
you know, I'm waiting for the opportune time when maybe she's in between tasks, when she could really appreciate the hug that I'm trying to give her and that I would actually get a good hug, you know, instead of one of those hands in the air kind of hugs because you're juggling muffins or something like that. And so we need to look at not just our needs, but how we're affecting other people, but also the needs of those that we're coming in contact with when we're speaking to people. Maybe it's a coworker and how you need to approach them about a certain subject that might be difficult if you're a red, you need to think, well, this person's agreeing and they need harmony, so I'm not going to go in, you know, both guns blazing. I'm going to go in and try to bring up some good things and try to de-escalate and de-stress the situation before I bring in some of the hard, difficult conversations that we need to have. So in essence, give people hugs. And now it's back to Jim. <clears throat> I think what he's really saying is he crafted his words to build his wife up, right? Just reiterating the words of Paul. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is used in building each other up for the person who listens based on their needs. The last point we're going we're gonna, to um, make on this is point number three, and that is um, every word that you use is a word that you choose. Every word that you use is a word that you choose. Every, you have the ability to choose what you're going to speak. And, and I know sometimes we don't think we do, right? We fly off the handle, emotions were, uh, rise out of it, but our words can be used to build each other up or tear each other down. Solomon in, in Proverbs, King Solomon, he, he said, your words can give life or they can give death. They can be used to build each other up or they can be used to dismantle and tear each other down. From the same mouth, you can give somebody fruit and you can give somebody poison. Which words will you choose? Every word that you use is a word that you've chosen. And, and as a Christ follower, I hear this a lot, and, and it's, we can never use this as an excuse. We, we enter into conversation, and we say whatever we want to say based on our needs. And then we follow it up with, I just had to get, get that off my chest. You, you, you know, this is just who I am. You have, to, you have to accept me for who I am. This is how God made me. We can never use our temperament. We can never use that, that, that attitude as an excuse to tear somebody down. Paul said, don't let anything unwholesome. Anything that would tear someone down, don't let it come out of your mouth. Choose the right words. Choose the words that build each other up based on the person you're communicating to so that they feel valued and they feel loved and they feel respected. This is how we're supposed to, how we're supposed to live. This is how we're supposed to enter into relationships. We can never use that as an excuse. Well, that's just who I am. I'm just Italian. I'm hot-blooded. I'm quick-tempered. I get it. But Jesus loves you too much to leave you that way. And if you love somebody else and you were to begin to sacrifice your words for their sake, what would that do for your relationship? Think about it. Anytime you were to enter into that relationship and sacrifice, as Brian was saying, sacrifice what he wanted to say for the sake of his wife, what are you doing? You are literally sacrificing your temperament and your words for the sake of the other person. You're saying, I love you enough to choose my words carefully. I love you so much. I'm going to be careful how I'm going to, how I'm going to say this. I'm going to choose the right tone. I'm going to say in a way that not only will you hear it, but you'll hear it and you'll feel loved and respected and valued. You're sacrificing who you are for the sake of the other person. You're following through on Ephesians 4.29. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit them who are listening. That's what we have to do. So here, here's three things that for, I guess, three uh, uh, simple steps we can take to kind of walk this out tomorrow morning. The first one is this. You got to push pause. 
Right? If you're like a red or a yellow and you just tend to talk and talk and talk and talk and you're surrounded by some blue or greens, you are overwhelming them and they are getting really frustrated with your words and maybe even overwhelmed. Push pause. Take a deep breath. Take a step back and think, how are they going to benefit from what I'm about to say? What can I say? How can I say this in a way that makes them feel more valued and more loved and more respected? Simply push pause. And the second thing we have to do is we have to give grace. I mean, for heaven's sakes, Jesus gave grace to you. Give grace to them. We're going to communicate. We're going to say things perhaps we shouldn't say as we kind of walk through this experiment of learning how to communicate. Show some grace. Show some grace to each other. When we show grace, we can also then receive grace. Push pause. Take a break. Take a breath. Show some grace. And finally, celebrate the difference. Celebrate the fact that you're not all going to be the same. Celebrate the fact that Brian might be yellow and I might be red and my wife's red and she's blue and you know, we're surrounded by some greens. Celebrate that. We're all different. And we can all communicate in a way where we find love with each other and we can build each other up. Here's a quick scenario. If you could throw, uh, I, this isn't on the slides, but if you could throw the, the four colors back up again for me. You're going to have to go back a little bit. <clears throat> if, if, you're, if you're yellow, here's just a, a quick way we can pull this through. After church, you're here with four people in your family, you're here with your small group, and you decide, hey, let's, let's go out to lunch today, <clears throat> right? Let, let, let's go out to lunch. Let's, let, anybody else want to go out to lunch? And you know, immediately the yellows are thinking, yeah, let's go out to lunch. This is awesome. Let's invite them too, and it'll be you know, the, the more the merrier. Let's just get a big group of people. And the red's thinking, sure, we'll go, but we got to go to Chili's. They have apps, and they're on discount. We're going to go to Chili's. The green's thinking, yeah, what, whatever, sure, I'll go. <clears throat> I, I, I'm on board, whatever you want to do. <clears throat> and then the, the blue's thinking, is it safe? I, I, is it safe? I, I heard the lettuce might have a coli. And then the red immediately speaks up and says, no, no, that's not chilies, that's Chipotle. And the yellow jumps in. Oh, that's great. I love Chipotle. That's Mexican. Let's go to Chipotle. And the, the green's thinking, yeah, whatever. Sure. As long as it's not, you know, you know, Longhorn, I'm in. There are differences in all of our personalities. And we can find a way to get along and we can find a way to love each other and build each other up when we take into account where each of us are coming from. I was a red growing up with a green mom. My mom loved calm, and she loved harmony. She valued peace and people. Now, for a red who valued order and control, that was a struggle. In my family, we grew up, and there was always room at the dinner table for one more. It wasn't almost any weeknight, on a school night, to have 14 people sitting around our table eating dinner. The more, the merrier. And it, I mean, you can imagine the kind of chaos that produced in our family. My mom wasn't energized by the chaos. She was putting up with the chaos because she valued people. And as a child, that drove me crazy, and I retreated to my room because I valued order, and I needed to be able to control something. But as an adult, with hindsight looking back, I realized she wasn't trying to to make anyone uncomfortable. She was trying to make everyone comfortable because she valued people, and she valued peace, and she valued harmony. We can all find a way to work together, and we can all learn from each other. Here's the amazing thing, is that God brought you into relation with people who aren't like you, maybe to teach you something you need to learn. Let's learn it. Let's learn, if we're going to look at this verse one more time, to communicate to people the way they need to be communicated so that we're building them up. Here's what I want to do. If, if uh, you want, are looking for a book to read, find a copy of this book. I said this, you heard that. It's not that expensive. Your relationship will definitely improve if you read this and, and apply the steps. <clears throat> I want us to look at the verse one more time. We're going to close. We're going to read the verse together. You ready? Everybody ready? All the reds said yes. All the blues didn't say a thing. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only...
Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for this simple verse that Paul communicated in one of his letters. But God, it, has, it can completely, completely revolutionize our life. It can revolutionize our relationships, how we communicate. God, it can settle marital arguments. It can help us put, put to bed and put to, uh, some peace in, in our relationships with our kids and our teenagers. God, it can even solve problems at work. If we learn to value how we communicate, to speak the words that the people around us that we love need to hear in a way that they can understand it and feel valued and respected. I pray you'd give us the wisdom to learn how to do that, God, and the courage to take that step tomorrow morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.